there's 50,000 ways that PFAS can make you fat by doing things like turning bone cells into fat cells in your body and doing things like that, messing with your lipids, your other hormones. So it's linked to obesity and diabetes. It's also linked to cardiovascular diseases for your heart. It impacts all of the development of children. So all of their growth, their impact, you know, when they walk, when they talk, you know, their temperament, all of those things are also impacted by that with children. It also increases the risk of allergies and asthma in young children as well. It lowers your ability to get pregnant and it also increases your chance of miscarriage. Welcome to Nutrition Without Compromise, a podcast brought to you by Orlo Nutrition. We believe that nutrition shouldn't be an either or, that you should never have to sacrifice your morals for your health or that of our home planet. Join natural products veteran Karina Belizzi and experts from around the globe as they discuss healthy solutions that are better for you and better for the planet. Welcome to another great episode of Nutrition Without Compromise. I'm your host, Karina Belizzi. And today we're going to talk about the forever chemicals that have been leaching into our food supplies and our water tables for generations. We're going to make this real as we touch on topics like the products that you use every day as I introduce you to my friend, Leah Sigetti. Leah is the genius and the champion behind Mamavation.com, a website and a community that holds the feet of the big guys, including our governments, to the fire as it relates to these harmful pollutants. She has successfully pushed for change in her local community and also at big companies like Target, where she successfully lobbied them to change how they printed their receipts, moving from hormone-disrupting chemicals to innocuous paper receipts. We will hear more about that and why you should also be concerned about exposure to PFAS and other forever chemicals as we get to know Leah Zaghetti. Leah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Karina. I'm, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's so great to be here. I mean, this is one of those topics that I've wanted to talk more about, but the reality is it's so complex. And life is tough, right? Already, we're already overwhelmed. <laughs> well, and when you talk about something like chemicals leaching into water tables, that means you're exposed to them when you take a shower. That means that you're exposed to them when you use drinking water, whether or not you filter it in your home or get it from some third-party site that's off in, I don't know, the Cascades, and they say that it is going to be better for you and doesn't have pollutants. But guess what? They're there because they're everywhere. So what do we do? So PFAS is a very interesting topic. It's something I'm quite obsessed over. And I, I don't even know why. I'm just really compelled to just wrangle this alligator to the ground and, you know, whack him down as much as I can. Because the truth of it is, it's a really concerning issue. There's over 12,000 of these chemicals in commerce they are considered forever chemicals because they do not break down. They do not go away. What these 12,000 chemicals have in common is they're a fluorine carbon bond, which is one of the strongest bonds that we have on the planet. So that's the reason why they're forever. We really don't know when they're going to go away. That's part of the, the answer is they don't know. And the same is true when they get into our bodies. Some of these chemicals stay around for months. Some of them stay around for decades. And so you won't have them out of your body for 
40 years, 30 years, and they just continue to build up. And the same is happening in our environment. They are continuing to build up. Let's talk about PFAS. You said specifically that they're connected to fluorine, which makes them incredibly stable, essentially, which is really bad for our bodies. I mean, it's great for what they do. They're water-resistant chemicals, grease-resistant chemicals, stain-resistant chemicals. And so they very powerfully push those things away. You know, Teflon pans to keep out grease and stuff like that. They're very powerful. Stain master carpet to repel stains. Very powerful. Gore-Tex clothing. I mean, it's it's a modern miracle of chemistry, but we never realized that it was incredibly toxic, now ubiquitous because there's 12,000 of these chemicals and these chemicals are everywhere and incredibly persistent, not only in our bodies, but in the earth and the planet. And so now the challenge is, is to bring them out, get them out of consumer products so that people are not no longer exposed to them, but then also clean them up out of the environment. But what I focus on is not so much the cleanup, but to identify them in consumer products so that our community can just avoid them because they are hormone disrupting. They are very problematic. They are linked to all kinds of things that you don't want to have to deal with, like including reduction in immunity. Your immune system is one of the primary things that has to deal with PFAS. Well, and this is why when people have hormone problems, like let's say you have hypothyroidism or something relatively simple as something that tends to be treatable, but then suddenly you are more likely to get or you're more likely to be sensitive to some of these chemicals, these forever chemicals, correct? So I would say that every single person in the world is different. They're going to react to different things. So not everybody's going to react equally to PFAS as another person would. It would be different. And that's because if you think about, you know, the body is like having a bucket, right? And you don't know how big your bucket is. You don't know if your bucket has holes in it or whatever. You start pulling those toxins into a bucket at, a po- at one point in time, your body just can't take it anymore. Now, if you don't have holes in that bucket to drain it out at the same time, you know, really, really efficient metabolism and, and a body that's really taking care of that, you're somehow one of these health impacts are going to affect you. And so the immune system is the primary place where people are really concerned about PFAS. And not only are they all concerned with that, but they started looking into vaccinations. And so they started looking into infants who had PFAS in their body. And the higher the rate of perfluorinated chemicals within the body of an infant, the less likely that infant's vaccinations are going to work. So that means you could be getting vaccines like a COVID vaccine, MMR vaccine, any of those vaccines. And regardless if you believe in vaccines or not, you still need a working immune system to be safe. And so that's what we're finding is that it makes vaccines not work. It lowers your immune system. Another part that's really problematic for women particularly is obesity. There's 50,000 ways that PFAS can make you fat by doing things like turning bone cells into fat cells in your body and doing things like that, messing with your lipids, your other hormones. So it's linked to obesity and diabetes. It's also linked to cardiovascular diseases for your heart. It impacts all of the development of children. So all of their growth, their impact, you know, when they walk, when they talk, you know, their temperament, all of those things are also impacted by that with children. It also increases the risk of allergies and asthma in young children as well. It lowers your ability to get pregnant And it also increases your chance of miscarriage. Leah, this is a lot. (laughs) I know it's a lot. That's what I'm telling you. This is absolutely some of one of the worst things that we've done to the planet. And it's a big deal. Lower sperm count in men. That's another big one is men are having 
trouble having children because what it does in a man's body is it's an androgen mimicker. So it goes into the male body and it says to the male body, we've got lots of androgen in here, which is a type of testosterone. And so the male body is actually a lot less forgiving than the female body is. And their body just stops producing testosterone. That's what happens. And so the more PFAS you have in your body as as a man, the lower your testosterone will be. It also is linked to smaller penis sizes because in the womb and utero, if a woman is has a lot of PFAS in her body, then it slows down testosterone. And so other things like that will happen, you know, with children and there's penis sizes smaller, their taint sizes different. See, now you're reminding me of Dr. Doris Rapp, who was an ancient doctor back when I knew her. I'm sure she's since passed, but she would talk specifically about the overconsumption of soy and how even overconsuming soy would limit the size of boys' penises after a generation or two. Yeah. Shauna Swan is a lady that has a taint measurer and she was on the Joe Rogan show the other day. And when I say the other day, I'm like 2020. She was there like, (laughs) I think before we were down like in January or February. So she's this 65 year old. I think she's 65. I mean, she's an advisor of mine. She's an amazing lady, but she actually studies phthalates more than PFAS. And so she did this whole study on effectiveness of sperm, efficiency of sperm. And according to her studies, men, have lost 50% virility since the 1970s. So sperm today is not what sperm was in the 1970s. And a lot of it has to do with these androgen mimickers, hormone disrupting chemicals. PFAS is one of them. Phthalates is another one. Well, she brought her taint measurer to his podcast, which was hilarious. It's like this thing where on little baby boys, you measure the distance between their scrotum and their penis. It's called a taint. She brought the taint measure. Joe Rogan was like, hilarious. He's all, oh, I want to measure. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> well, this is one thing we didn't expect to be talking about today, but sexual reproduction is part of humanity's existence. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I mean, this is PFAS, so it's really stressful. So, you know, I'm going to be laughing and, and finding levity in things because this is what I do for a living. It, it is very serious because the repro- it's physical reproductive things that can be changing, all based on exposure to these chemicals in utero or exposure to these chemicals when you're under the age of five. So it's very serious. And these types of chemicals are found in a lot of different places. Do you want me to go through some of the places you can find Yeah. I mean, I loved, for instance, I follow your page on Facebook. And so you send alerts to your community where you'll say things like, I'm just about to release a new study on, well, let's just say period underwear and what exposures you can expect from those. So let's go ahead and just let me know if you're interested in this. I'll be sure to DM you. And Man, I mean, it seems like every month you're coming out with some other groundbreaking, real third-party analysis of what people's exposure can be from use of everyday household items, personal care items, nutrition items, etc. So please, let's go through a basic list so people can understand where they're getting exposed to PFAS and where they might be able to easily limit it. Because some exposure is just, hey, we live in this world, we breathe the air. So what do we do, right? So Karina's talking a little bit about the consumer studies that Momovation has commissioned, and we've done 12 so far. So we've done everything from cooking oil to tooth floss to toilet paper to baby strollers to, you know, different types of foods, ketchup, parchment paper, yoga pants, green beauty makeup, all kinds of things. 
So this is how I can tell you PFAS isn't everywhere, but it's in a lot of places that you wouldn't expect. And so my job is just to go through the consumer products, send things to the labs, do spot checking on different things. And when I find something that has a hit, I do a whole category investigation. So we could be doing upwards to 60 products in a category. And then we post that. We've done 12 since 2020, starting with period underwear. But I'm going to go through some of the the main things where you will find PFAS. So to take a look so that you can just start to kind of avoid them in your everyday life. One of the biggest areas is cookware. So we've all heard of Teflon nonstick pans. Those nonstick pans are made from a type of PFAS called PTFE. And the only thing you really need to know is they're a polymer. So they're more like a plasticizer than they are just a regular chemical. They've made it so that they've had this coating right over your hand and it repels oil, it repels water. And so it makes it really easy for you to clean your egg. You know, after you fried one up in the pan, stuff comes right off. It's all that nonstick, but that nonstick is a PFAS chemical. And so that is one place where if you can toss those nonstick pans, you're doing a great service to your hormones. No, I think let's talk about the pans for a, a moment because there are many that are purported to be have a nano layer or that are made from ceramic that claim to be nonstick that are not traditional Teflon. What is your findings on that specifically? So the vast majority of the nonstick pans are either in the realm of PFAS or they're in the realm of a nano-coated titanium dioxide. It's a nanoparticle. So those are ceramic pans. So ceramic pans are also nonstick. I have only found one like non-coated ceramic pan that we recommend. And then there's a couple that use a silicone instead of a nano ceramic or a nano titanium. And that would kind of be more in the realm of what would be better. You you also want to avoid these ceramic pans that are nonstick. That's why I say, if it says nonstick, toss it, because there's nothing that we found that's been nonstick on a pan that is great for your hormones yet. And so the nano titanium is linked to all kinds of gut health issues and things that happen in your gut and stuff like that. So I would avoid those because if you're, if you're going to bother with organic eating because you want to avoid hormone disrupting chemicals, you don't want to fry those organic things in a frying pan that's going to disrupt your gut health. And so just nonstick in general is just not a good idea. You're going to have to use a little bit more elbow grease if you want to protect your hormones. So that leaves us with what? Rod iron pans or? Rod iron. We've got stainless steel. We've got glass. There's also, oh, what's it called? Blue something. I'm forgetting off the top of my head. But if you rotate, the answer is there is no perfect cookware. There is no perfect cookware. It's not possible. So what our epidemiologist recommends is that you rotate between stainless steel, uh, cast iron, glass, and maybe a nonstick uncoated ceramic, you know, like something like Extrema. Extrema is a good brand because it's not, it's not coated with anything and rotate between those. And the rotation saves you because there is no such thing as good, you know, there's no such thing as perfect cookware. You'll find something in everything. But... The safest ones are the ones that I mentioned. And when you continue to use iron all the time, there's actually a tie to getting too much iron in your diet. Right. So you can have some concern over that. There's even woks, though, that are made from carbon steel. And so something like that, I think, would be usable, right? Yes, 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 yes. Very good. Okay, so beyond our cookware, where else are we getting it? 
So beyond our cookware, we're moving on to clothing. We're moving on to jackets, raincoats, and stain-resistant clothing. So if it's stain-resistant, they have put a perfluorinated chemical on that. So there's a PFAS chemical to make it stain-resistant. So you don't want to buy stain-resistant clothing. If you are a fitness person, and I am, this makes me very sad, the world of sweat wicking is also perfluorinated. I have tested oh, I want to say about 45 different yoga pants. And we found PFAS in the crotch. We've also found a lot of sweat wicking type chemicals inside sports bras. We did about 25 sports bras that we tested. So avoid things that are stain resistant, water resistant. We have a lot of that category is very difficult to navigate. And so it's difficult for me to just say all the brands because I don't remember them all off the top of my head. But Momovation has done a really deep dig in this category. So if you're looking for jackets, please go by our site and check out what we've done because we have put it in a section of not our favorite brands, better brands and best brands based on you know, PFAS, chemicals, and all kinds of other things to help you. So clothing, that's a big one. Textiles and fabrics are also another way you can get this into your life. So carpet, Stainmaster carpet. The older carpets are typically the, the worst ones. I've done some carpet testing recently, and some of the carpets, the more modern carpets, don't have as much PFAS or have any PFAS, we're finding. So if you go to Home Depot or Lowe's, they have removed PFAS from their carpeting, so you can safely buy that there. But you know those types of things like your furniture and Scotchgard and all that stuff, that is where you're going to find it. This is a difficult part because it's really expensive to change, right? So if, if we're talking about getting new furniture, if your furniture is is older. And when I mean older, I mean five years or older, it likely has some PFAS chemicals in it. So that when you buy new furniture, because I know you're always going to buy something new, look specifically for something that doesn't have any stain treatments or PFAS chemical treatments or fire retardants as well, for that matter. I'm connected to some people in the fashion industry who have been working to make more sustainable garments. And they like to tell you that for something like moisture wicking fabrics that you go to wool. And I realize that that's not a vegan solution, but it's like the world's oldest kind of natural moisture wicking can be used for almost anything. Doesn't necessarily keep you cold if you get a little damp, which is one of the ways in which we've innovated polyester, which is, of course, a petrochemically based um, clothing item. Which also has a lot of antimony in it, too. And we just don't know how or when that releases. So when they use petroleum to create clothing, they have to use a lot of chemical additives, really toxic chemical additives. And some of them are still in the clothing. Some of them are stuck in the clothing and are released at a later time. The answer is we just really don't know. Um, those those types of studies haven't been done to really tell us how bad these petroleum products are. I think I feel like the you know researchers are focusing on food packaging and other things right now, but eventually they'll get over to clothing. But you're absolutely right. A lot of the vegan options are very toxic. Well, and that's when I when I hear things like vegan leather, I cringe. <laughs> Let's talk for a moment about nutrition sources. Are you finding that there are certain foods that are, should be avoided or foods that should we should have more concern about, perhaps even in the supplement realm, just things that we put in our mouth to eat? So we did an investigation on foods earlier this year. We did all the cooking oils, we did nut butters, and we did tomato sauce and marinara sauces, and we also did ketchup. We were a little shocked to find some of these ingredients had indications of PFAS because 
when you find it in food, it's typically at a very, very low levels, but you will find it. And we found it in canola oil of all things. And so the odd thing about canola oil is remember, I said this repels oils. So I didn't expect to find anything in oil at all at the level that we were testing. And so when I consistently found about five brands, canola oil brands, having indications of PFAS, I was like, ooh, something's going on in the processing. So if you look at the processing of how they do canola oil, it's called, oh, it's called an RBD oil, where it's basically bleached and deodorized. And there's all these chemical, you know, added and this and that happens. So a lot of ways that PFAS can get into this process. So in terms of food, if we're talking about the levels, I'm testing at 10,000 parts per million, which is actually very high. When they test for water, it's in the parts per billions and the parts per trillions, which is infinitesimally smaller. The reason I'm testing for at 10 parts per million is basically that's the only level that we can get right now where it encompasses all 12,000 of those chemicals. When you start to go down, the processes of how they test excludes parts of the PFAS chemicals. And so when you go down lower, you're actually looking at less things. And so what we've decided is just to go up to that higher level, which is kind of where the states are creating standards for food packaging and stuff like that. And we've just kind of like, we're at that level looking. And as soon as I can go down below that level, because science is always changing, I'm going to go down lower. But for right now, we're at 10 parts per billion or 10 parts per million. So canola oil we found was a really big issue. Um, And then when we looked at This was a tough one. When we looked into nut butters and we looked in tomato sauces and marinara sauces, we actually found a lot of contamination in the organic industry and we didn't anticipate finding that, but that's what we found. And there was indications of PFAS in that investigation. So I want to say it was like Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, and it was organic fill and one other one. And I don't remember off the top of my head. And then nut butters, three out of the four nut butters were organic. In terms of organic, we reached out to the Organic Trade Association because I've been a partner of theirs for many, many years and and talked to them about this and several emails back and forth saying, y'all, I'm finding a problem here and I'm finding it just in organic food. So you need to kind of look at this. What they said to me was the FDA's rules on indirect additives are the same for organic as it is for conventional. So all of these chemicals that are used as additives on manufacturing equipment and things that they're able to use, plastics that they're able to use, all of those things are all the same. And so if I wanted change to happen, I needed to talk to the FDA. Well, we do have NGOs and people that are focusing on the FDA with PFAS in general, and there's a lot of them. But I think the organic industry can't just do that. They need to start looking into this well. And So where is it coming from? Is it coming from perhaps the plastic packaging? Is there some common thing that you're thinking it's is the culprit? We've actually helped many brands behind the scenes reformulate. And so I can tell you some of the things that we're finding. Fluorinated plastics is a very big deal. We found a lot of fluorinated plastic issues in the green beauty industry where they had no idea where it was coming from, but it was the packaging. And, you know, even to the extent of looking at a data sheet and the data sheet does not say anything about it being fluorinated, anything about this thing that they've bought, you know, it being fluorinated, but it is. And so you can send it to the lab and check these plastics and they're in fact fluorinated. And that fluorination process deposits PFAS into the food. Because what happens when you fluorinate plastic, um, fluorinated plastics aren't done to the bad plastics. They're actually done to the more safer plastics, the polypropylene and um polypropylene and those kind of things. So it's the number one, the number two, and the number five plastics, those recyclable numbers. Um, and those are the safer plastics. Well, those are also the plastics that work 
easier because they're not shored up by these nasty chemicals, so to speak. So over the years, these plastic companies or these manufacturers have realized that in terms of things like food or personal care products or something like that, if the packaging warps on the shelf, it's going to look like something happened to it, but it's not. It's actually the chemical food or whatever that's inside the um, inside the bottle can react with the plastic and cause it to warp and change. But if they fluorinate it, it doesn't. And so they've been fluorinating a lot of food, a lot of personal care, a lot of everything. And to fluorinate a plastic, they basically put a gas polymer over the top of the plastic and it just kind of shores it up. But at the same time, it's not like a chemical process has to happen to get this fluorination out of the plastic. You only have to like rub on it or have something acidic touching it or something like that. It's really simple, really easy, which is why it's coming out and why we're seeing it at the lab. And especially with tomatoes and tomato sauces then, right? So we did. And the ironic thing was, you know, I'm not really finding it so much in non-processed foods as I was in processed foods. So to give you an idea, like there's the difference between the marinara sauce versus the tomato sauce, right? The tomato sauce is just the tomato sauce. The marinara sauce is like the 50 spices and oils and everything. It's It's been processed a lot more in that factory. And so what we're finding is the less processed something is, the less likely we're going to find fluorine. And Another thing that could be happening at the factory is, you know, these mani- this manufacturing equipment has to be lubricated. And so as we were looking into lubrications that could be used in a manufacturing you know, facility, 40 to 50 percent of these lubricants are all fluorinated. So if you are lubricating machinery, I don't know what could happen, but it's very possible that PFAS can be like aerosolized into the air because of the heat and then drop down on whatever is being processed in the factory. For how long? For like a week, for two weeks, for two months, for a month. And then what happens to the workers that are there too, right? Long-term exposure. Exactly. That's another question. It sounds to me like the basics that we're getting to are whole foods, if possible. Make your own stuff. Don't use pans that are nonstick. Avoid plastic. Wash your hands before every meal. It's really important. Because our hands are going to have little amounts of PFAS all over them. We're going to have phthalates. We're going to have like, you know, all kinds of different plasticizers because we live in a modern world. And in that modern society, your desk has stuff on it that is dropped down from being off-gassed. So in your house and you're by your electrical equipment, your television, your what have you, that is one of those places where you're going to find a lot of PFAS, right? So over time, these this equipment, all of these things are get into the air and then come down onto the surfaces. So And we're touching all those surfaces. So before you eat, make sure to wash your hands. Before you cook, make sure to wash your hands. It might sound like a simple thing, but it actually makes a big dent in how much of these toxic chemicals that you're getting into your, your body. Okay, so let's talk for a moment about receipt paper, because you've just talked about the things that we touch. And this was a big one for you. This was fun. (laughs) (laughs) So talk to us about how this journey started with Target and what you were able to accomplish as a result. I alluded to it in the intro, but I know there's so much more to the story. 
So uh, my my main advisor, his name is Pete Myers, and he's the man that coined the phrase endocrine disrupting chemical. So him and a few other scientists basically created that category of science and wrote the book on it and have been mentors for decades about this. And so Pete and I, we kind of have like a monthly talk or maybe a, a talk every two months and stuff. And we, and we talk about things that we're concerned about. He was he let me in on the fact that bisphenol and bisphenol exposure to women, bisphenols are an endocrine mimicker. So just like PFAS was an androgen mimicker for testosterone, bisphenols is an estrogen mimicker. So it's very bad for girls. It's very bad for women. And our largest exposure of this chemical is not in cans like we thought. It's in thermal receipt paper. And oh my gosh, we're the shoppers. We're the ones that are getting the stuff, hands grabbing the receipt, handling the seat, throwing it in our bag, leaving it in our bag, you know, reaching back in there, getting exposed. And women's hands are different than men's hands, which makes it that we're even exposed even more. And this is going to, men have thicker skin than we have. It's actually real. So their skin is very thick. Our skin is very thin. And so when we're touching that thermal receipt paper, again, it's kind of like the fluorinated plastics. When they add BPA or BPS, BPS is actually more so the more common one now. When they add BPS to the thermal receipt paper, it's just basically like powder on the top of the receipt. So when you touch these receipts, you can feel they're kind of powdery. They, they feel a little different. That's bisphenol powder. And what happens in the machine is the machine puts a light on it. Those bisphenols react to the light and turn like um, a purple color. And so that purple color is is proof that they're there. And you know that they're there because that's what's reacting to the light. So, you know, there are other types of receipts that you can purchase so that you're not exposed to bisphenols. And so I did a lot of research into what the options were. And at that time, there was like five or six options. And one of those options was used by Best Buy. Best Buy was the first um, company to have safe receipts. And so the, the the receipts that Best Buy were using, I was just like, well, everyone needs to use this receipts, these, this type of receipts. And so, okay, so I'm like, all right, Pete, this makes sense. We need to do something about receipt paper. But what, what brand, who do we go after? And so I asked all the ladies of Momovation, and there's about 10,000 that we have in that group. And what they all had in common was Target. They were all shopping at Target. So I realized that if if we petitioned Target and demanded this from Target, not only is Target a more dynamic brand where they do move and do things because they are concerned about these issues, but also the fact that they're so big and national. And just I knew that if we could get Target to change, that more brands it would follow suit. And so we did a petition to Target. We got about 50,000 signatures. We demanded that they reformulate their receipt paper to something that was not hormone disrupting. I met with corporate probably a month after the, the petition was out and had a meeting with them. And within a year and a half, it was done. So by 2020, all of the Target receipt paper is no longer has bisphenols in it. And then CVS followed suit. So CVS is another brand that you can go to and handle their receipt paper and not have to worry about it. And there's additional brands that have done it as well, but I haven't been updated by how many yet. But we've actually we've done a big dent in that. And so, you know, any other brand, if you go to the grocery store, you know, ask them, is this thermal receipt paper covered with BPA or BPS? It's very likely BPA. 
BPS because the industry went to BPS. They'll say, oh, no, it's BPA free, but it's got BPS in it, and which is just as bad, if not worse. So, you know, ask them because we really need to continue these these brands need to continue reformulating to safer paper. But that is the power of community. That is the power when you get women together and say, look, this is in everyone's best interest. Let's get together. Let's work on something. And, you know, and these brands who want our market share, who want our money, who want our support, they care what we have to say. So once we start getting together, they don't like that. And but they do, they change quickly. I mean, the funny thing was in the meeting with Target, Target actually lied to me and said they weren't going to do anything about this. And then the second and they started fixing it immediately. So it's like, it's kind of interesting. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know why they said that to me. They should have just said, oh, we'll work on it. And we'll give us a couple of years. But I think they didn't know how long it was going to take. And they didn't want to say, oh, Leah pre- pressured us. And then we did it. But essentially, they had it done by 2020, which was like a year and a half later. So, but yeah, I mean, power to the people, power to women. And you're talking about the power of, in a way, protest. Today, as we're recording this, is September 23rd, which is you know, Fridays for Future, the hashtag that Greta Thunberg started, and really just talking about coming together as a people. Sometimes we need to be visible. Sometimes we need to be loud, even with if we're a minority, to push for the sorts of positive change that we want to see. So pushing for chemicals coming out of your food supply, out of your clothing, all of those things are important. I know they can go to momovation.com and to your Facebook group to learn more. But I also know that you wrote a book called Green Enough, which I have on my shelf behind this green screen. I'd have to go grab it, but you have it right there. I don't think you can really see it. I know, I can't get it to focus. I will have to go grab it. But, but really, the thing that I think is so interesting about this particular book that you undertook writing is that even while you're out here being this loud minority who's talking about the dangers of PFAS and everything else, you also acknowledge that it can be very frustrating and also very hard to be green enough or to be sustainable enough or to eat the right foods all the time. And so the book in a way is this sort of statement of, ah, I'm doing enough already, aren't I? And there's a lot of four letter words in the book, which is exactly how I feel all the time. You know what I mean? Dealing with it, which makes people feel good because, you know, they're not alone. They want to cuss too when they're having, to, you know, when they're stressed out by all this stuff, you know? It's so frustrating because you can't move all the things forward in a way that you want to all the time. And, and the information available to us is imperfect. I think back to the moments where our grandparents were growing up and being told that Crisco was the thing that could solve their challenges and baking foods and always having some shelf-stable shortening on hand, right? To later find out this is essentially dietary plastic that is gumming up your health and literally prevents things like cell-to-cell signaling, takes the place of essential fatty acids in your body, and creates all sorts of health challenges for people. I mean, I've spent a lot of time learning about fats specifically, and it's maddening to know that we're, we're told something is healthy, it's a great solution, everybody jumps onto that ship, and we're all moving in one direction only to find out a matter of years later that this solution that we built, this chemical construct built by humanity and not built by nature was somehow going to be healthy. And the message I tend to take away from the generality of these sorts of messages is that if it comes from nature first, it's going to be better. 
<laughs> like nature first, natural whole foods first, better, you know, and when it comes to something like trying to be more green, more eco, more sustainable, you do your best, you go to whole foods, you try not to waste, waste not, want not, kind of spiriting forward some of those ideas that may have come from our grandparents. But I just love to know, I'd love actually for you to share with our audience why you wrote the book, who it's for and what they can expect. Oh, okay. Well, I wrote the book because I really wanted to create something for the newbie who was overwhelmed, who wasn't used to all this green stuff, who used to get annoyed by that green environmentalist girlfriend that they had that was always telling them not to do this and not to do that. Like I wanted to write the book for someone who didn't want, who didn't have time for BS, so to speak. I wanted to write a book for her to just tell her about here are the basics of what you need to worry about and here's what you don't need to worry about, right? So here's fluff and here's reality. I wanted to make sure she knew it was the daily stuff, not the stuff that she touches once every month, you know, but it's more the daily things that you're talking about. I wanted to be able to bring along experts, you know, to be able to make it very scientifically sound so that we're only concentrating on things that are making an impact in our health and nothing else. And I wanted to do something that was fun, that was light and easy to read. So I wrote Green Enough just to be flippant and funny. But I also wanted to flip the bird off at some of the deep green moms who just don't let you eat a pizza every once in a while. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm green enough. You're green enough. I feel like it's a destination that we're all getting to that nobody's perfect with. And it's kind of also a book that says one day you choose the non-toxic lifestyle and the next day you choose mental health. That's why I said have the pizza if you want it. You know what I'm saying? Because your mental health is just important as the toxicity we're talking about. And sometimes it's more important. So when we get into this world, it is so scary. Trust me. That's why I laugh a lot at inappropriate times because I just, you know, like there's nothing else you can do. It's like, I don't want to be stressed out and freaked out. I want to be educated and I want to be of sound mind. And I don't want to be living in fear. But I also don't want to be stupid, you know, and I also want to be able to make decisions that will protect my family in ways that I know they need it. And I also know that, you know, because I have a family with we have a lot of special needs in our house, we have people that are chemically sensitive, we have people with allergies, I have like all the things going on here, like I'm an autism mom, I'm an allergy mom, you know, I have a husband with autism as well, he has Asperger's, I have a lot of interesting challenges that many women, millions of women throughout the United States have as well. And so that goes into the book, you know what I'm saying? So I am that person writing this. And, you know, in real life, when you hang out with me, I'm not the person I'm not like Adam ruins everything. Well, sometimes I am, but I'm actually really funny. So when you read the book, you get my humor, because, you know, I have to laugh or I'm going to go crazy. You know, I'm compelled to do this work, but I have to laugh at the same time. So you get a little bit of my humor. And women that have read the book appreciate the humor and the, the lightness of it, you know, but they also appreciate the really deep dig into science to get so they have a really basic understanding of, say, personal care, safe things for the home, you know, your air quality, your personal care, your food, you know, your packaging, all of these things that we bring into the home, what's the best thing for my family, what's not, and even be able to make those decisions based on, do I have a lot of money? Do I not have a lot of money? We've tried to think of everything in there. Yeah. Well, and to your point, you can be almost religious about your diet to the point where you no longer really enjoy food. And your friends might say, oh, let's go out for dinner. And you're just like, well, how were the animals raised? And where did all of their ingredients come from? And is it all organic? And the reality is there are so few restaurants that will tell you 
the name of the cow that they slaughtered to give you on your plate. I mean, they just don't have that information. Because I think in our industry, orthoexia is a big deal. And there's a lot more of it that people want to admit having. And I can spot it you know, very quickly where, you know, you don't have a medical condition, your children don't have a medical condition, and you're just, you just have a rigidity about your diet, and it prevents you from interacting with your family or seeing other people. And it's always something you're obsessed about. That's orthoexia. That's what that is. Yeah, I've never heard the term before. So orthoexia is what you said? Orthoexia. It's it's a type of eating disorder, but it has to do with non-toxic living. It's when you're so obsessed with it that you can't enjoy your life. And so that's what we're talking about. Like you have to be able to enjoy your life. You have to be able to go to the birthday party with the blue cake and just eat it, right? Like once a month, like these are things that you just need to let go. And so that those types of issues are also in the book. But I think it's also it's easier for women when they understand they're not alone. So I think a lot of times just having a supportive community around you and having women that you can express these issues to these challenges to and know that they have gone through the same thing. And they're operating in a similar way that you are makes people feel better. You know what I'm saying? So it's like that idea of being green enough, you also need a community to be supported by. And so we invite people to Momovation because that's with those 10,000 women that I have in our Facebook group, that's what we have. And we try to have, you know, we have newbies to deep green women. There's, it's a judgment-free zone, you know, come with questions, come with anything, be supportive. But those are important things when we're walking into this industry because it's not easy. It's tough. Right. And you do a great job of monitoring that group too. So there aren't people getting let's say, a little bit too ruffled or ruffling the feathers of others. We leave politics out of my group, you know, unless we're talking about the politics of food or the politics of toxics. You know, we don't talk about politics and momovation. And I've decided not to do that because you know what? I'm here to serve everybody. That's how I feel. And, you know, in 2021, I was like, done. <laughs> like We're not talking about anything that doesn't have to do with what we focus on, but there's a lot of things that we focus on. And you know, I make it a comfortable place for people. So as long as you don't want to come in and talk about what's happening to the president or the, the, all those crazy things, like we don't do, we don't discuss those options. We just kind of keep it clean. And I've noticed that, you know, it's so much peaceful. And then you can find that both sides can talk to each other because we actually have a lot more in common than we think we do. Well, that's amazing. So I want to do a quick round of a couple of speed questions for you, just because I'd like you to give your quick reaction. First is plant-based, vegan, or animal-based diets, which exposes you to more chemicals? Well, okay, different things. I would say both in different ways, right? Probably animal-based ones are probably worse for you in the sense because fat (laughs) is really good transporter for toxic chemicals. They come in through fat. Phthalates is an example of that. So when you do low fat milk, for instance, versus regular milk, your the phthalate level that you will have in your body from that consumption will be less. But there are times when the vegan food is not as, I would say, a nutritious or wholesome for people. So I feel like they're better for different things. Like I'm not an anti-vegan person. I'm not an anti-meat person. I kind of hug everybody. So I would say there's probably things about the vegan diet that specifically might have PFAS issues and stuff like that, or things that vegans are exposed to that we're not exposed to necessarily. But if in terms of just the food in general, meat is a lot more toxic in terms of what you consume. 
Okay. Well, perhaps not a speed round, but that also points to potentially limiting things like canola oil or seed oils that might somehow have brought over some of this PFAS in that mysterious way that we've yet to unveil. So limiting processed foods is what it sounds like overall. And limiting processed foods is best for you. And if you limit processed foods, you also limit your fat consumption because it tends to be kind of buried in everything. (laughs) So it's so true. By the way, I should tell everybody I'm a meat eater. I still eat meat. So even though I know. You know, being an omnivore, I mean, a whole foods diet that incorporates many different things is something that Dr. William Lee purports to be the best solution for overall health. And we've spent a few weeks doing a deep dive into his work, Eat to Beat Disease. So I would caution people to go back to that and learn there. And I like to make lots of colors. (laughs) Oh, lots of colors. Yes. I think that the message overall when it comes to healthy eating is variety. If you can eat a wide variety of foods, you're going to be healthiest. And even if you are vegan, to eat a wide variety of foods within a vegan diet, not meaning that you just jump to the impossible burger because the impossible burger is made of highly processed soy that's full of GMOs and a bunch of other stuff that you may not want. So go to Whole Foods, go to a wide variety of foods, and you will have better health. Like in some senses, I value the impossible burger because they're doing something that I think is great. You know what I'm saying? Like the idea of it, it's like we're trying to lower the amount of carbon. You know, we're trying to do all these things. I feel like our parents' generation of biotechnology is very different than this new generation of biotechnology. So I'm neutral on that stuff. I feel like it has a place. I've not assessed the toxicity of it. I don't eat it myself. But you know, I have so many vegan friends who, you know, love to eat the impossible burger. So I'm, I have no issues. You know, it's like, at the end of the day, I think your bigger issues is like, you know, Teflon pans, right? And all the toxicity you have in your electrical equipment in your house and your indoor air and all of those things like could be worked on first before we even dug into that. Well, this has been so awesome, Leah, to have the opportunity to dive deeply into PFAS and some of the other forever chemicals that we can all seek to avoid. I'd love to ask you as we prepare to wrap, if there's a thought that you'd like to leave our audience with or a particular spot where you'd like them to go to learn more. I'm guessing it's momovation.com, but I'll, I'll leave that to you. Yeah, Momovation is the place to be. So, you know, uh, we've done investigations on pretty much anything you would bring into your home. So use the search bar, you know, or click on where it says start here. And then there's a little tab that says product investigations. You'll see how many I've done and your jaw will drop to the ground because it's a lot, you know, that we've done in like five years, I think is when we started doing the investigation. So one every week for five years, that's a lot. So check out Momovation.com. You can also find me on Instagram as Momovation, Twitter as Momovation and Facebook is motivation. But it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today for another episode of Nutrition Without Compromise. We were so thrilled to bring Leah Zagetti to you to talk about PFAS and Forever Chemicals. I do have my copy of Green Enough right here, which I'm holding up for the camera. Of course, my green screen picks up on some of that too. So it says, green enough, eat better, live cleaner, be happier, all without driving your family crazy by Leah Segetti. I have my copy. It's a great fun book to read. And yes, there are a few of those four letter words peppered throughout. If you have questions about what we covered today, you can always reach out to us via social channels at Orlo Nutrition. I also want to mention that anybody who is listening to this show qualifies for an extra 10% discount at orlonutrition.com. All you have to do when you're checking out is use the coupon code NWC10 you'll get an extra 10% off 
our omega-3s, our immune-boosting immunity spray, and even the t-shirts that are printed with algae ink. I'm wearing mine right now. To stay in touch, you can always send us an email to hello at orlonutrition.com. And as we close today's show, I just want to invite each of you to raise a cup of your favorite beverage, coffee or tea, as I say my closing words. Here's to your health. Thanks for listening to Nutrition Without Compromise. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to learn more, visit orlonutrition.com and join our mailing list. You'll gain access to complete show notes, features, and informative blogs because nutrition shouldn't be an either or. 